It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, ma. Anything's possible. Rainy days. Jump shot fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day, especially when the season get hectic. I stay waiting on it like receiving a Nets pick. Nothing like the terrible analysts on the TV. So in depth you might even hear a story on Gigi. So in depth they might do an hour about the D-League. So in depth you probably should pay him, but it's a freebie. Yeah, John Corrales and J. King locked on trying to get the 18th ring. So you can miss me with the blah blah. No more Geno time. We watching Jay do the Zaza. on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for making us part of your daily routine. We are here for you Monday through Friday. We are the Rain and Jays, John Corrales, Jay King for MassLive.com, the ever-popular Jay King for MassLive.com. <laughs> <laughs> here, to, here to talk about uh, Marcus Morris thinking things are going to be really easy for him playing the four, but first... The Philadelphia game, we didn't. That was a Friday night game, so we have not talked about that yet, Jay. Uh, so let's just get your initial impressions. I thought they looked really good again. I thought the defense wasn't as tight as it was in the first game. They left a lot of guys open for corner three pointers. I think at one point the 76ers were 14 for 25 from behind the arc. Not good, uh, but offensively. They just have so many guys who can create plays. And I think that's what stood out the most to me over the first two games is I didn't realize how much they had upgraded their dynamic, their the dynamic creators on their team. Like going from Amir Johnson to Jason Tatum, who started the other night, that, that's a lot of extra potential and extra talent offensively that, that you go to. And, the Celtics just have a lot of guys who can make plays. They, they can all drive closeouts. Most of them can are at least threats behind the three-point arc. And then they have Kyrie Irving, Gordon Hayward, and Al Horford, who are the three stars and really freaking good. So the, all those guys took turns kind of uh, showing out. Gordon Hayward was great in the second quarter. Kyrie Irving burned the nets shout out to the guy who emailed me because I, <laughs> <laughs> because he hated that that term um but yeah the, the celtics it, it it really does jump out that they just have a lot more skill across the board than they did last season yeah i really enjoyed that there was an, an early play that i felt like we just haven't seen much of the, the dribble handoff in the first quarter with Al Horford and Gordon Hayward, it just for some reason it just stuck out to me because not only was it a perfectly executed dribble handoff where Gordon Hayward was wide open for a shot that he would probably bury most of the time. But then when the defense overreacted to that, he made a perfect bounce pass to Horford for a layup. It's just that extra level. It's not just that they executed a play, which would have been good enough. They have an extra level of that extra pass, that extra recognition. That thing, that is what's really, really exciting to me. That 
even the uh, what was the play where a Horford up fake attacked the closeout, got it over to Tatum, Tatum up fake, just yeah. stepped right into a nice jump shot. I mean, yeah, those that was just beautiful. Plays, it's it really is it really is and I don't want to overreact to two preseason games because I remember last preseason we we saw things and this preseason before that we saw things and and all of a sudden things don't work out you know I mean I remember when David Lee was we're talking about running the offense through David Lee and then all of a sudden (laughs) things changed yeah so that changed pretty quickly I don't want to go too crazy but the and I, I tweeted this out I feel like the word smooth is going to be used a lot to kind of encapsulate what the Celtics offense is going to look like because they have a lot of guys that recognize things and can do things and make the plays, which is basically the same thing that you're saying. It's just, it really is. It's a very smooth offense. And at any time, a guy like Gordon Hayward can just go nuts. You know, his second quarter, what he's doing, he had nine points on four to six shooting in the second quarter. Then Kyrie, four, four, 11 points, perfect from three, three of three from three. Like those, all of a sudden you, you adjust to one guy and then the other guy starts to burn you. Yeah. Offensively, I like what these guys are going to be. Yeah. And, and they'll be very different than they were last year. Like you think about it, you lost Avery Bradley and Jay Crowder and Amir Johnson, who they were all good players especially Bradley and Crowder, but they didn't do a lot of creating. Even like secondary creating, those guys didn't do a lot of it. And now you have guys who are more dynamic off the bounce, like like Tatum and like Marcus Morris, who hasn't played yet, but you, you can you can see where you can see where this is going, where they just have a lot more guys who are comfortable with the ball in their hands, breaking down a defense, dishing it off, and they've upgraded to Hayward They've upgraded in the sense of creativity to to Tatum and and some of their other players and and Tatum looked really good I thought especially with mm-hmm. the starters in that first half he there's just a, a maturity to his game that that not a lot of 19 year olds have and I, I mean it, again he hasn't made shots yet and that's gonna be a crucial part to how much he contributes, I think, during his rookie season. But from a standpoint of knowing what he's doing and looking pretty comfortable, he 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 does that really well. Like the first quarter, he he upfaked like you said off the pass, one dribble jumper, bam. He spotted up on the wing, closeout wasn't in time, hits a three. Oh, he JJ Reddick's on him. He has a size advantage. Boom, right over the top, fade away, turn around. Like that was a tough, tough shot too. So yeah. Jason yeah. Tatum, he can do a lot. He's got a lot of game, and and there's just like a calmness to his game that that just stands out. He's he's fun to watch. This this team has been really fun to watch through two games, and I know it's just preseason, and I know they they still have a lot of things to figure out. But what you're looking for is kind of the mindset that the team will have, and I think right now this is shaping up to be a team that that just can attack you from a lot of angles with a lot of young, dynamic, athletic players, like everywhere, everywhere. Everywhere, everywhere, exactly, which is where the Rain and Jays are, uh, especially on the new Locked On NBA podcast. We want to make sure you go check out the Locked On NBA show with David Locke. It's a big first part of the Eastern Conference preview. So they go alphabetically. I think they got down to Detroit. Um 
Yeah, but we were on there. I just want to make sure that you guys go check that out because Jay and I shared our thoughts on that. Subscribe to the Locked On NBA show wherever you find your podcasts. They're everywhere just like we are. One thing that I, I'm curious to see, I, like, I think the defense uh, is still going to be way behind the offense. Like Offensively, we're looking at these guys, and man, they look so great. Everybody can pass. Is that the new iPhone? Yeah, got it on T-Mobile. Fastest iPhone deserves America's fastest LTE network. Introducing the amazing iPhone 8. It's the best iPhone yet, now on America's best unlimited network. For a limited time, save up to $300 on the amazing iPhone 8 after 24 monthly bill credits. And now join T-Mobile's iPhone upgrade program for free. Eligible trade-in and finance agreement required. If you cancel service, you may lose promo credits. Contact us for details. Video at 480p. Small fraction of users over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speed. See store for details. Everybody can move. Everybody can read. You know, even guys, you, you know, you bring in Aaron Baines and he can still pop. And all these other guys are doing things. Defensively, I think they this is this preseason is going to be a big thing for them to get on the same page defensively. I mean, they still, they won and I'm not going to put too much emphasis on the score, but you know, they, they didn't exactly uh, stop Philly very often. I mean, they, they still gave up a 27, a 30 and a 26 point quarter when most of their regular rotation guys were playing, they did give up a ton of open threes. And like you said before, Philly knocked down a ton of open threes. So I think there is still some concern. And I don't know what you heard at practice, but that's going to be the biggest thing going into the season because they've got a lot of tough competition right off the bat. And yeah, the Celtics will be able to score. But I wonder if early on, if they're going to be locked in like 115, 114 battles. Yeah. I mean, you look at the starting lineup they used against Philly. They had a 19-year-old, a 20-year-old, and Kyrie Irving, who not only has never been known as a quality defender, but is also learning a brand new system and way to defend. So there were some obvious miscommunication issues, uh, especially with Jalen Brown and Kyrie a couple of times. Uh, Like I said, closeouts just weren't there all the time. But (laughs) you can kind of see what they want to do and how versatile they can be. Like Tatum, he's he's still very much a 19-year-old. But they're switching him onto anybody. Like they're not shy about putting him on a point guard. He he spent some time yeah. on T.J. McConnell. He started the game against Ben Simmons, who was playing point guard. Like they they are very very excited. I don't know if excited is the right word. They're very very interested in using his versatility. Like they're not going to hold him back at all. They'll let him guard any type of player. Yeah, I I did like some of the things that I saw from uh, Tatum. He, he did make some decent plays. He, like he, the kid worked hard. They're all working hard. It's just a matter of getting that cohesion down. The, the communication, I think, is the biggest issue. It's learning because they switch so damn much. The, the question is, when do you switch? And, and like you said with Kyrie, I mean, how many times is he going to try to fight over things when the, the they won't want to switch, where it just wasn't even the same uh, same system in Cleveland. So the, the communication thing is going to be a big deal. Once they get that down, it'll be better. But we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Uh, we do know that the Celtics will probably be without Marcus Morris when they face the 76ers. By the time you listen to this tonight, Monday night, they play again, and Marcus will have missed now three preseason games. However, 
I'll read the quote from Jay King's piece on MassLive.com. Shout out to me, baby. Shout out to Mass Live and Jay King. Do not, do not email him if you're upset about burning the nets. So Marcus Morris, we, we got to get to that email. We'll, we'll talk show, about the, the email. We'll talk about the email. Marcus Morris said today, even though he's upset and he says it's killing me that he hasn't been able to play, but he he doesn't really seem very phased about when he does get in. He doesn't seem like it's going to be a big deal because he says, quote, I feel like it's going to be really easy. I don't think I can name two or three foremen that can really do anything with me on the floor. You know what I mean? They might be a little bit bigger, so I just try to keep my strength and be a great rebounder. But on the offensive side, it will be too easy. <laughs> Classic Morris brother line. Like Classic. <laughs> he, he, he's He's been a good player, but never a great player. And he's just like, you know what? It's going to be easy for me. Too easy. Too easy for Marcus Morris. I do think, like, uh, obviously he, he went over the top with his his quote. Uh, like, totally over the top. There are <laughs> more than two or three power forwards who will be able to give him trouble on the defensive end of the court. But uh, what, what I do think is interesting is for the first time in a couple of years, he'll be playing primarily at the four. Like it, it, it really is strange to me that Marcus Morris hasn't played four because in mm-hmm. small ball, in the small ball era, like he's six nine, two thirty five, he's skilled. Like that's the type of guy everyone wants as a power forward. But in Detroit, their their roster was a little different. He played a lot of small forward, and so now maybe he'll be have some bigger, slower guys on him, and he's skilled, and he he's capable of beating guys at closeouts. He's capable. Of if if a smaller guy switches onto him, beating him in the post, like he's an inside outside threat. So I I do think there will be parts of of this that that he'll find easier at, at the four position. And obviously, like four position, it's not really a four position anymore. It's basically like a lot of teams are just playing threes up or playing two threes at a time, and it, it's yeah. it's not like it was three years ago when teams first started going smaller and the teams that actually went small like had a, had a huge advantage for those guys. Um, but I, I do think some of the ways the Celtics will use Morris might might put him in really advantageous situations. And and like I said, like if he does start, he's taking Amir Johnson's spot. And Amir Johnson was not a guy who could create anything. Well, Marcus Morris averaged 1.05 points per possession on isolations, which was in the 90th percentile in the league. This is the dynamic guy who can do a lot of things on the court. And, and he'll help what we were talking about earlier with kind of the – the the ways that Boston could attack from a lot of different angles. Yeah, I mean, I like the idea of Morris starting. Uh, I'm curious to see how that'll all go. Uh, you know, we can make an argument for Baines getting into the starting lineup. You start more pr- traditional, and Baines has looked pretty good this preseason. He's he's definitely been I don't want to say surprising, but better than expected for me anyway. I, I think that he kind of has stepped in and done done well and uh, has kind of picked things up pretty quickly. So that there might be a case for starting Morris on the bench and, and bringing him in. And look, you maybe you bring him in with Marcus Smart as your first two subs, and now you've got your primary ball handler in Smart, which I love as a guy, a point guard off the bench, and you have a scorer that you can turn to that has NBA experience, like significant NBA experience, and has proven that he can kind of 
he can do these things. Like you said, that isolation scoring, when everything goes to shit with the second unit out there sometimes, you can just give it to a guy and say, hey, or create something. He's at least got the ability to create something. So I can see a, a real solid argument for bringing Morris off the bench. Either way, I think the Celtics are going to figure out ways to use him. Brad Stevens, in all of this, he is going to be going nuts with the experimenting. We've seen him experiment every, the beginning of every season to find all these different lineups that will work. I think he's going to have so many options that it's going to be hard to, to kind of settle on one and say, this is always how we're going to start the game because there, there are going to be some games where you go up against the San Antonio and all of their length, you're going to f- try to figure out a way to, c- to combat that. You know, so you, you throw out a different lineup to combat that. And Morris is kind of like this, this switchblade, this, uh, this jackknife, this guy you can kind of throw out there and he could do this. He could he play the three, he could play the four. He can, he can isolate, he can pass like that. I, I, I'm not going to say it's like he said it, it's going to be too easy, but <laughs> he does, he does have the skill that you can kind of say, we're going to mix and match and we'll, we'll, we'll throw him with the second unit because I can see the second unit maybe struggling a little bit more to score. Yeah, yeah, that I think that's possible. Although if they stagger Kyrie and and Hayward and always have one of those guys with the second unit. Is that the new iPhone? Yeah, got it on T-Mobile. Fastest iPhone deserves America's fastest LTE network. Introducing the amazing iPhone 8. It's the best iPhone yet, now on America's best unlimited network. For a limited time, save up to $300 on the amazing iPhone 8 after 24 monthly bill credits. And now join T-Mobile's iPhone upgrade program for free. Eligible trade-in and finance agreement required. If you cancel service, you may lose promo credits. Contact us for details. Video at 480p. Small fraction of users over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speed. See store for details. That could be a really good unit. Marcus Smart was has looked really good through two games. And with with all the asterisks, this is preseason. It's just two games. It's a tiny sample size. Skinny Marcus Smart is doing things, ladies and gentlemen. At both ends of the court, he's he's making shots. He looks totally confident offensively. You can you can see like he's not a high flyer all of a sudden. He's not like a super freak. He's not John Wall, obviously. But losing twenty pounds has made him certainly more explosive. And it I think it it might matter most. Like in the pick and roll, there were a couple of times where he he was able to create separation while playing at his own pace. And I I think last year he had to try to rush things a little bit. But with with the the weight loss, I think that that's made a difference with how he's moving in in pick and roll situations. He was unbelievable defensively the other night. Three steals, all in the backcourt, like just snatching balls away from people, diving on the court in a freaking third quarter of a preseason game. <laughs> <laughs> just chill out, Marcus Smart. Chill out, chill out. Skinny Marcus Smart is still as crazy as overweight Marcus Smart, um, but. He's looked really good, man. He is, he has looked really good. His extension numbers, especially after that Gary Harris extension, it's going to be tricky. It's going to be tricky for the Celtics to figure that out because they're going to be a heavy tax team down the road, and if if you pay him too too much, your tax bill is just going to be outrageous. So I I don't know how they handle that. I don't know whether they'll give him an extension. Uh, by the before he's eligible by the by the date October sixteenth, but we'll see that that's going to be a tricky situation for them. 
Yeah, I mean that's that's something I know you you had been talking about it. I wrote about it this morning on RedsArmy.com. The man, that Gary Harris number is a big number, you know. Uh, average annual value of eighteen and a half million before you throw in the added potential bonuses. So we're looking at something close to twenty million a year. Marcus Smart's not getting twenty million a year, and it's like a dance now. Where where does his extension number really land? Is it more? Uh, in the Norman Powell, uh, four years, forty-two million, or I, does it? I had someone in a front office tell me yesterday the Celtics will be lucky if it's four for sixty-five million. Lucky if it's four for sixty-five. Lucky if it's four for sixty-five. Yeah. Wow. Then wow that that that's an interesting number because I mean I was looking at maybe fifty-five to sixty. That's that's less than that, that's more than I was thinking, and I thought I was being generous. You put, if you get smart for fourteen or fifteen million a year, then okay, you know you deal with that. But there, there is a lot of this payroll is pretty big. The question is, that's that's a lot of money, and but who is going to give him that money? Does if you're Danny Ainge and you say I don't think we can pay him sixty-five million over four years. Let's see what let's see what the market truly bears. So you you just say, all right, we'll extend the qualifying offer. We'll, we have a number in mind, and let's go see if you can go get that sixty five million. Who is going to pay him sixty five million dollars? Are are there teams out there with that kind of money? Uh, especially if like, you know, if Isaiah Thomas is out there and he's healthy, and the medicals come back and they say he's healthy, he's a point guard that somebody would take, I think, before Marcus Smart, even if he doesn't get the four years or whatever. Uh, you, I can see a team throwing a three-year contract at Isaiah Thomas, and there are there are point guards all over the place. Marcus Smart's a special special kind of player. He's he's very different, and it's hard to compare him to anybody. So I, I really don't know what the answer is. I just wonder, with not a ton of money out there, when wh- which team will give Marcus Smart that kind of money and tie up? the the potential uh, salary cap their their cap sheet knowing that Ainge might match the deal like the the restricted free agency just changes the entire dynamic of this because if they go out there right away and say okay we got to jump on Marcus Smart and we're going to offer him four years and sixty five million and see if the Celtics will match then the Celtics can sit there and take their time and I think what's it's three days now that they have to match. I uh, forget the exact rule these days. I think I think it's three days, but the Celtics will probably make it known in in, in a gamesmanship way. They'll let it know we we're going to take our time and think about this. If Marcus Smart's your number one target in free agency, and we know how quickly things move, they say, "All right, here's four years, sixty-five million, Boston. You're on the clock." Dane's going to wait till the last possible second to make a decision. Meanwhile, that other team, once you're t- once a guy signs an offer sheet, that's on your cap. So you don't have that space now to go get your plan B. You sit there and wait for three days while Danny Ainge makes you twist in the wind. Meanwhile, other, other, te- other teams are signing away your plan B, your plan C, your plan D. So... It's not like you just say, we're going to go get Marcus Smart. We're going to overpay to lure him away, and that's the end of the story. 
you got to play this game, and teams aren't willing to play a game knowing that Ainge is going to sit there and drain your ability to come up with a second option. So, yeah, res- restricted free agency is always tough to gauge because the market is different. Uh, but one thing I, I will say, like looking at the Celtics situation, teams might think it's possible that they'll let Marcus Smart go if the offer is big enough. Because when you do look at the Celtics roster, their cap situation, it, they're, they're going to be in the luxury tax huge because they're already committed max money to Al Horford and Gordon Hayward. In two years, Kyrie Irving is going to be due for a monster, monster, monster deal. And if if the contract for offer for Marcus Smart is big enough, they might they might other teams might think that the Celtics could possibly let him go. So he is one of the guys that that teams will consider throwing an offer sheet at because of that. Because when you look around and and look at how expensive this Celtics roster is going to be, they're not going to be able, or they may not be able to afford to keep everybody, or at least. They're gonna have to really pay out the ass to do it, man. So yeah. it, it, that's a that's a tricky situation. Tricky, tricky, tricky. I do think that if the if a team does want to make smart an offer, like if they want to do what you just said, they're gonna have to make smart an an offer in that Gary Harris money range. Like they're gonna yeah, have it's to, gonna have to be gonna, big, and which is why you know the Celtics might want to just get an extension done, and right. So on on one side you got Marcus Smart and his camp who are saying we know what Danny H. Danny H. has done this before. He's done this before with players and he's kind of like driven down their market a little bit because that's how risk restricted free agency works. And you say we maybe you can get that that big home run fine, or maybe Ainge is going to play this game and teams are going to back off and you're not going to get anywhere what you think you're going to get. That 65 million number is not going to be there. But at the same time, Ainge could be sitting there saying what you just said. A team could come swooping in, especially if Marcus Smart has a good shooting year. They can come flying in with a Gary Harris type offer, 18 plus, 19 million, 20 million a year. Like that would change the dynamic and he he would lose his player. I think when you got a situation like that, it's really beneficial for both sides to sit down and say, let's find a number that works for both of us. And and maybe maybe they don't go the full four years. Maybe they come up, they say, we'll give you an extra year. We'll let you out of this contract a year earlier. So maybe you can try to cash in a year earlier or something. I don't know. They could work something out. I'm hoping that they work something out because Marcus Smart is just he's just too much fun. He's too much fun to have on this team. Look at the way he was playing that preseason game. He still heaves with, with reckless abandon. Doesn't matter. Shooting percentages be damned. He's gonna he's gonna throw up a heave. He does not care. We need Marcus Smart on this team. It's uh, just too much fun. The heave might have been my favorite favorite part of the game. The, the of end, of, end of first quarter heave. Marcus Smart heaves will never end. Oh, he just loves heaves, man. Loves heaves. Uh, um, let's get into this. I want to get into this before uh, we wrap up the show. What the hell? Was this email? If you guys haven't seen, if you, for some reason you don't follow J King at by J King on Twitter, he tweeted out this email that a I'll say a hater, dis- disgruntled fan. <laughs> it was yeah, amazing. That was that was it. It went on for a while. I mean, it was like pages long. Yeah, it 
he told me basically my writing sucks. I should either switch careers or get a lot better at writing and that I should try to write like Grantland writers used to. Uh, right. And that, right. That, that he's been hating my work for almost a decade and trying to avoid it. <laughs> what a legendary email. And it, I, I shared it just because I thought it was funny. And that it, it was funny to see on Twitter because I think people thought I might be upset about it. And I, that's, that's not something that will really bother me. Like if one guy out there totally hates my work, it's okay. It was pretty funny. Uh, but people like the support was, was amazing. Like I've never felt more, more loved than, than when I, I got all the tweets back about it. So shout out to my disgruntled fan who, <laughs> who caused me to get an outpouring of support yesterday on Twitter. So I, I, I thank him. That was that really was legendary. I can tell you from all of my time in the news business, I've my my career in broadcasting media has spanned this this wild kind of era where now we're in social media and and all of this like it wasn't like that in the beginning. That email that you got, people used to get handwritten letters like uh, that. I wish it were handwritten. I have seen I have seen some insane handwritten letters to people <laughs> on the air anchors about like the clothes that they wore soliloquies handwritten painstakingly written out mailed to this person to say your ties suck you know <laughs> or like your hair get a new haircut like that type of stuff these people are out there man it's 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 nuts like they really it's a wild world out there, man. This is just the beginning for you. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully I'll have a lot more haters coming out. I me. hope this person sees this and hears this and follows up. Like I, I want to see the follow up email. Oh, I sent him an, an email back. I did. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. I I try to kind of take the high road, but I I got a couple of digs in. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say? Uh basically. What did I say? Let, let me pull up the email right here. I, I basically, <laughs> I basically told him I, I was most proud of uh, my 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 sign off uh, paragraph to him. So ba basically, I told him like that I, I really don't care what he thinks about my writing. I'm gonna keep working hard and this and that. And then uh, let me try to find out. But <laughs> yeah, my my last paragraph was basically like. Hope you can find some Celtics writing you appreciate. Uh, must have been a tough, tough decade trying to avoid my work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great it's, stuff. It's been tough, man. Uh, all right. Uh, so this show has been a lot of fun, but you know, guys, from time to time, we get serious about things because we're human beings and life happens to us. And uh, unfortunately, it's not all it's not all great. Uh, I've shared the story on on this show before about one of my closest friends, a, a guy I considered a brother. Uh, his name was Carlos Broussard. For you longtime Boston residents, you you remember him as I hope you remember him as Dr. Dell, who uh, had a show throughout his four years at Emerson on eighty eight nine at night. One of the most brilliant guys I've ever met. His rap knowledge and his ability to produce music was unparalleled and 
Unfortunately, uh, he was taken away from us uh, too soon. 20 years ago, 1997, he took his own life. Um, and it's, it's just, it's, it's a struggle looking at that because you feel powerless. You feel like it's preventable and, and yet he's gone. Um, and unfortunately, uh, Jay, you now have a similar story. Yeah. So I didn't know whether I wanted to share this story on the podcast, uh, but I, I decided, like, if there's just one person this story can help or touch or impact in some way, uh, I didn't want to keep my story uh, from people. And so, yeah, my one of my good friends and former AAU basketball teammates uh, committed suicide last weekend. And it was a stunner to everyone. Nobody knew that he was hurting nobody knew that that he was dealing with with such terrible thoughts and i i I don't know what i want you guys to to take from from me sharing this other than that it's it's never so bad that you have to do that and i i i wish that I had told my friend Pat how much I loved him on on a more regular basis. I saw him a couple weeks before he did it and and he just seemed normal and we we just shot the shit and one of our old AAU competitors was actually hanging out with us and we were giving him shit cuz his team never beat us. <laughs> and uh <laughs> and but he he was just he was such a tough tough guy, the, like the toughest kid I ever played with. He was a five eleven power forward, if you can imagine that. And he was really freaking good. He couldn't shoot, <laughs> he couldn't jump, and he was a five eleven fucking power forward. And he was a stud. His teams always won. He he was just one of those like he had a, a whole list of tricks he would do. Um, he would literally go to the water fountain and wet his hair and he would always guard the the best big man and he would he would put his <laughs> hair on like the guy's arm so that that the guy would like have water dripping down his arm and just <laughs> just just annoy the shit out of people um but but the fact that that he did that and that he was the toughest guy I ever played with and the best teammate I ever played with, it, it it just goes to show like anybody can be dealing with with thoughts that are are so consuming and so powerfully dangerous. So just just talk to people. If you're having those thoughts, talk to people. I've never seen a church so packed as it was for his funeral, and and it's because so many people loved him. He had this smirk, and he would. He would look at you, and and he was the funniest guy in in the room all the time, and and he had this glimmer in his eye, like like he he was he always had a joke, like even if other people weren't in a joke, it was like like he had jokes all the time going on, and and just so just talk to people, guys, talk talk to somebody 
because there are people who who love you and who will miss you and fuck i'll miss pat i miss pat so much already i'll i'll always miss him but yeah just i guess i guess if 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 you guys can take any anything away from this just just always be there for people and and if you ever get to that dark of a moment talk to someone and talk to someone who loves you there are always people who love you and and who will support you and who will be there for you i would give anything to have had him call one of us and and just just tell us what was going on and 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 get it off his chest and i, I realized like whatever thoughts he had in that moment were just so overwhelming and he thought he was better off not living and, and fuck that's tough that's tough to to know for me and that's tough must have been so fucking tough for him to deal with it must have been the thoughts running through his head must have been so bad for for the toughest guy i ever played with to do that so don't don't be afraid to be vulnerable don't be afraid to reach out to people don't 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 be afraid just everybody has bad thoughts everybody is vulnerable so so just talk to people depression is an insidious thing and it's not obvious it's not like you break an arm or you strain something and you limp or have a cast. It's very often undetected. So if you are listening and you have felt these thoughts, please call a friend, call a counselor, or call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. Or direct a friend, if you know that there's a friend who has had some issues, to call that number. Or help that person set up uh, counseling, therapy. You know, we do so much. We run. We exercise. We do so much to get our bodies into good shape. We don't do the same for our brains, and it's necessary. So if you need help, 1-800-273-8255. There's the suicidepreventionlifeline.org website or just just talk to a friend and help because it's it's worth it's it's worth the time to to help somebody get through this and very often all they need is a uh, an are you okay and how can i help you and that can that can be the difference and they very often don't ask so please if you can help, uh, do so. Um, we're going to leave it there. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll talk to you next time. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.